welcome to Teachers Teach Teaching. Do, 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 do. Teachers Teach Teaching. Do, 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 do. Teachers Teach Teaching. Thank you, Shannon. I hope that song was the same as previously presented. Yeah, well, it's, we're getting some consistency as time goes on. <laughs> All right, so in season one, we are talking about distance education episode one. We went into why distance education is amazing, and we are going to follow that up today with how to shift assignments to asynchronous learning and what good asynchronous learning uh, looks like. So before we get too far into that, let's not assume that people really even know what asynchronous learning is yep. and uh, define what that is. Asynchronous learning can be defined as learning that takes place outside the confines of time and space. So we touched on this a little bit in the last episode, but basically asynchronous learning says you're learning at the time it makes sense for you. Um, this is kind of like homework, like how we kind of define homework, like it has to be done between today and tomorrow, but you can do it tomorrow morning while you eat cereal, or you can do it tonight on the bus or before you go to bed. Um, so there's no specific time and it can be done anywhere. Yeah, and so we were just starting to chat a little bit about this before we started to record and we're thinking about the reason we picked this topic for episode two is because it seems like it's one of those things that a lot of people are really struggling with thinking about when it comes to online learning and Shannon and I are like, but why? It is one of the reasons that we think online learning is great. And so my first thought when I was really trying to reflect on it, and I do a lot of asynchronous within my classes, um, partly because my students are mainly homeschool students and they live all over the world. And so uh, we are in different time zones, which is its own issue, but everybody also has completely different schedules because they're not like in one school setting that's flowing through it. So some of this I came into because I didn't have a choice and sometimes that's actually easier. But what I was thinking about is in the beginning, especially if you're switching from teaching in the classroom, like traditional model, is it suddenly feels like you're giving up a lot of control of, um, you are giving students more choices about when they're doing work. And I would say, depending on how far you go with this, you might even be giving them choices about what work they're doing. And so an example mm -hmm. for that is um, I often will give students a couple different videos that they can be watching and I'll list out like like specific topics and some will be more complicated than others. Sometimes it's even review of like, hey, um, if you still like are really not understanding how to write a thesis statement to start your essays, this is, this is probably what you want to spend more time on where another student might be like, I am awesome at thesis statements. And so there'll be a different video that's going to push their writing in um, a different direction. So you sort of are giving up control I would argue 
but I'll argue about that later, that you're mm -hmm. actually gaining more control. Ooh, I like that philosophy. I want to back up a little bit more in terms of like, I'm just thinking like teachers who are in a traditional school setting, like you think about like, what does assessment look like? Um, how do I know my students are learning? And so much of that, if we're learning synchronously, especially if we're in a face-to-face classroom, but if we're learning synchronously, I can tell who's falling off at what point. Like I can read confused faces. I can ask like quick formative questions and have everybody respond, whether that's like through chat while I'm just teaching or whether that's in the classroom or like a verbal or a nonverbal signal. When we take that away, so when we take away this face-to-face -face time, how do we still structure ongoing formative assessment? Um, and what does summative assessment look like? I'm thinking like, I, I, I think I should separate these, but I want to keep going um, about like, okay, so for teachers who um, give a, a test, if you're doing that asynchronously, like who's to say that all my students aren't going to cheat on the test? Mm -hmm. um, so it's forcing you to reimagine uh, assessment and reimagine student learning in a way that's not, I give you the information and then you answer the questions because like, are they going to cheat? I mean, probably. So when you're doing asynchronous learning, you're able to harness these more creative assessments um, where students aren't just answering questions that have a single answer. You're developing um, broader questions. You can allow students to answer in multiple ways. Like, do they have to write their answers or can they respond on video? Um, so it, to me, it really opens up the opportunity to say, you know, you can, you can approach this in many different ways. There won't be a paper with the correct answer and then your paper that I'm comparing against it. So I also think that asynchronous learning opens up opportunities for us to reimagine what summative assessment looks like. And also it forces us to get creative about how we assess formatively throughout the process. So for people that are listening to this and are into education, but maybe not as into it as we are, can mm -hmm. you give a quick definition of what is the difference between a summative and a formative assessment? I feel like I'm doing a lot of defining today and I really like that for myself. As a side note, um, I, well, this is unrelated. I just want to brag. I won the spelling bee in fifth grade, but I feel like this is like, I would always ask for the definition of the word just to buy myself some time, but okay, I digress. Uh, formative assessment is your sort of ongoing uh, informal assessment. So you're checking for student learning along the way. Whereas summative assessment is when you get to the very end, it's like the summary of the learning, and you say, now I'm assessing all the information that you have on this topic. So formative assessment should force you to drive what you're teaching. Um, you should pivot and respond to the information that you're collecting from formative assessments um, to kind of get your kids to be successful when they get to that summative assessment. Thank you. What did I miss? Hit me with something. What, what else? Um, no, I think that was really helpful. And I think like, it's also, you can think about, so normally, you know, one is going to carry more weight than another one. Um, so like a formative, you 
you can still choose, but you may be giving more points just for participation that they're, that they're trying because you want them to respond because you are really trying to figure out like, do you understand this or not? And so that when I think of online learning, that's why I'm throwing out that you might just want to give them participation points for that um, mm. is because online learning, you kind of like desperately do actually need students to respond. You need them to like write answers, post videos or whatever, or yeah. else you're like, I don't, I don't know. Like in the classroom, students could choose not to answer, not to answer, not to raise their hand. And you as a teacher can still start to pick up on the body language and things like that of like, are you getting it? Or are you not getting it? You might be able to see them working on things and you can kind of do that assessment as you move around the room. Um, online, it's a little bit more of they kind of have to make a choice to like show you their cards a little bit more. And so you have to make that really safe for them. And it's very possible while you're trying to check for their understanding that the answer is they don't understand. And so there has to be safety in them kind of like raising their hand and saying, I don't understand. Um, the other part I was thinking about when you were talking about what well, if you're giving them tests, they're gonna cheat, um, is also thinking about how, how you define learning and then how you're assessing that learning. And yep. so, um, and I will say I do a variety of like some, it is harder to cheat because it's, it's timed or because of how they have to turn their things in, things like that. And sometimes I'm like, I don't care. Like, go yeah. ahead, go try and find the answers because you're still going to, if you don't know the answer, like that when you have that feeling of like, I need to Google it. I need to look in my notes. I need to look in my book. Guess what? That is your own formative assessment saying, I don't know the answer. And so you can either like skip it, get the answer wrong or go and find the answer. Going and find the answer is going to help you learn. And that's what I'm interested in. So I want you to go and find the answer. Uh, or I do assignments where I'm like, okay, I want you to spend 30 minutes answering this question just with whatever's in your brain. And then you can take as much time as you want to go back and make corrections. I want your corrections in another color because I want to see and understand like where were you confused? What did you have to add in? But the mm -hmm. points that you're going to get are for the final thing that is like a mix of this what was, is what was in my brain and then this is what I researched and added in. Like that's another part of helping to build in. This isn't, this isn't cheating, this is like, um, and it's building in that safety of, I know I can't see you. I cannot watch all of you writing your essay questions. So some of it is just really helping think about, no, they're not taking a test in front of you, which does give them other options. Uh, and so how do you create environments where that actually makes sense and just continues to inspire more learning or really creating those places where like they're still showing you what they what they knew before they had to go look up more things because that's going to guide your teaching like that's why i need to understand that 
you didn't just spend five hours looking for all of this in a book because that isn't always going to work for you. Yep. Absolutely. I think the, the idea of curiosity and seeking knowledge as a way to learn, like how many times are we all just sitting around like, oh, oh, I mean, if anybody went through my search history, they'd be like, this girl's curious about so many weird things. But like, I don't know, like how much does an armadillo eat each day? Like, I'm curious about that and I'm going to learn it. And so when we, when we're looking things up, it's not that we're cheating. That's, that's literally what our world is now. Nobody keeps all this information in their head. People get curious about stuff. So if we, if we can teach curiousness and teach wayfinding and teach information seeking and collecting, those are skills that actually transfer throughout subjects and across their life and will help them get further. Before we wrap up, what are your like top two options, favorite options for formative assessment for asynchronous learning? Oh. We didn't prep for this question. No, uh, we didn't prep for any of these questions. Okay, then give me your one. No. Um, okay. So, uh, one thing that I really, really like is in videos adding like interactive quiz mm -hmm. questions. Yep. And the questions are related to what they've been watching in the video. And so it like kicks back to me. Um, they also know it doesn't tell me the specific, I just have it said this way. It does not tell me the specific student. Like it doesn't say like, whoa, Shannon got all of these wrong and my students know that. It instead tells me 10 of your students all got this question wrong. So um, again, that's building in that safety for them of like, no, really, really try. Like, I don't need you to go back and watch the video 30 more times. Like the question just popped up and, and it won't keep playing until they answer it. So they have to, um, they have to answer that in, some way. And then the other thing that I will often have them do. So my students tend to like get an assignment at the beginning of the week. We have one to two live calls to like touch base, interact, and then they have to submit something before they go to bed on Fridays. Um, is like they have to post kind of like what is the thing they're exploring this week or giving some indication that they understand how to start. Um, because I have found like that is the, the biggest downfall for students. Mm. If they don't know how to start, surprise, surprise, they don't start. Or they are like sending me messages at 10 p.m. on Friday and I'm in bed suddenly being like, I don't understand. Well, it's like way too late. So that is the other part of like finding a way really early, really early on in the week, they can post in um, Google stream, how, like whenever they want throughout the day, but giving me some kind of clue. Okay, you found the assignment, you opened it, you looked at it, and you have a, a basic understanding of how to move forward. Yep. What about I love you? that. Uh, so I'm going to gear mine a little bit more towards like a lower um, grade level. So something that I love to do is a pulse check. Um, this can be like a, like a form response. You can use just emojis. But basically like before you're working on this, like do you get it or are you totally lost? Um, and especially like when you take away the, the peer pressure of a classroom, like how many, how many of us have ever stood in front of a class of kids and been like, 
is there anybody who has questions? Does everybody understand? And everybody's like, uh-huh. And then you realize that you have put together a flop of a lesson because nobody knows what's happening, but nobody wants to be the kid to raise their hand and be like, hey, nothing that you said makes sense. <laughs> or like you forgot to give us half the directions. Uh -huh. um, so if we're in an asynchronous environment, if that message is just going to me, or if it's showing up to the full class as a survey, again, taking away that anxiety of like, my answer is getting publicized. But if they can see like, oh yeah, other people are nervous, or if they know it's only going to me, um, that's gonna give me an opportunity to really gauge where we're at. Then I can determine, do I need to send follow-up information? Am I developing more videos? Or for the most part, are my kids okay? And I just need to check in on one or two to get them up to speed. Um, that gives you an opportunity to schedule like a small group reteach, or again, create a video or a supplemental for those couple students so that, that you know, you're differentiating for those kids. Yeah. The other one that I would say is um, just like we would do in the classroom, like you wouldn't sit in front of your students and say like, okay, um, in one week, you're going to turn in X, Y, Z. Uh, well, let me not say you wouldn't. Maybe. Some people do that. Um, but we have to give kids the opportunity to your dogs have arrived. It's okay. Animals are always welcome to the podcast. They, they have arrived. They Dog also agree that you should not just say to your students. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but if we're looking at a big project that naturally needs formative check-ins to make sure that students are progressing, like the, the worst thing is to have a student who's like, you know, four degrees off, right? One degree off. And it's fine, like at the beginning, like they're cool, they're doing it. And then as time goes on, they're getting further and further off the path so that when they turn something in a week later, you're like, oh no, this is not even close. Um, so set up those checks ahead of time, like build that into your project. Kind of like Amber's saying, like, give me some indication that you know where to start. Um, and depending on how big that project is, like give me a midpoint check-in, we're gonna do a three quarters way like peer feedback and then you submit your final thing. Um, again, when we're looking at assessment, like I don't wanna assess somebody be on the fact that they didn't understand my directions. I wanna assess what they know, what they've learned and how they're learning. Um, <clears throat> so that's what I would say. It, you know, overall asynchronous learning is like, it's so cool. You can do so much and technology allows us to do so much more than like, okay, I'll post a question and you'll respond to a question. Like they can create things, they can, you know, um, like create videos, create audio, they can mix songs. Like you can really tap into student interest through asynchronous learning. Yeah. And I would say the one other thing I thought of when you were talking about like those big, the big projects and the multiple check-ins is I think like we so often think about our students cheating and first of all like it's not like they were never cheating in person or like just <laughs> so let's just be honest there but um the more check-ins that you have so the more that students feel like you are checking and confirming that they understand and giving feedback the less likely they are going to be to cheat remembering that so often our students are cheating because they're afraid of failing and the gap between what they know and what they need to know is too big. And the only way they know how to fill that is with somebody else's work. 
And so if you are kind of like creating those supports and more of that safe space um, and making them feel even more confident that they're going to do well on that end assignment because you are helping them break that down, check in, giving them feedback so they don't get like way off the path, um, they're going to be less likely to cheat and you're almost like requiring them to cheat like way more times if you ask them to to hand it in several times and that gets more complicated for them yeah i mean also like your students who are cheaters like look at them as resourceful don't like uh unpopular opinion we'll save it for another episode right um, i don't think we need to talk about cheating because i think no, we'll add it to the list uh, apparently, I think we have some interesting opinions about cheating. I also think so. Um, all right. So next week, we're going to talk about synchronous learning. Uh, we're going to talk about Zoom calls. We're going to talk about full class calls, classroom management when you have a room full of students. Um, and that's it for this week on Teachers Teach Teaching. Do, 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 do. Teachers Teach Teaching. Do, 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 do. Teach, 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 teach.